Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech-language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So, put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community, a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life. Good morning. Hi, Zoe. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fabulous. So, everybody, this is the first live. I've been up since five messing with the tech and trying to figure this out. So, fingers crossed, got my toes crossed. And we will see what happens. So the reason we're here today, Zoe, is I wanted to share some of the lessons that I learned from the aphasia conference I attended last weekend. That was put on by Aphasia Access. And this is their 2023 Aphasia Access Leadership Summit. All the PhD speech pathologists, all the clinicians that are in the trenches, this was an amazing opportunity. I want to say there's 150 of us. We were in a hotel in Durham, North Carolina, and that was my first trip there. And I met some of the most amazing individuals that have a passion for speech pathology, for aphasia specifically. And we had the opportunity to have some stroke survivors with aphasia come in and join us. They were there with usually a family member or a caregiver, and we got to interact with them and share information. Wow. It was a pretty cool conference. So before we jump into that, I would you tell us a little bit about yourself, Zoe? Sure. I'm Zoe. I am in my final semester of grad school, working towards my master's in communicative sciences and disorders. Um, I do it online through NYU. And right now I get to intern with Miss Genevieve and I love it. I love being able to experience teletherapy and working with adults who have aphasia. So yeah, I'm excited. It's been a real pleasure to work with you so far. We're only, we're a little over halfway through the semester and you get to graduate very soon. It's a long haul. I mean, you love it, but we're always looking to get to get to cross over that next finish line. Right. All right. So the next thing I want to do, let's see if I can manage this. I'm not going to share screen. I'm going to show a little video, just a couple of images that I took from the conference. And let's see if I go like that. That makes you big. Let's make this big. There we go. So we had some lovely poster sessions. We had two different poster sessions. And we got to see some of the latest and greatest research that is going on in the aphasia community. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the life participation approach to treatment for aphasia. So just a little bit of an overview, a couple pictures in there. And that 
some some fun, just some really fun people. So that last picture was Carolyn David, and they are from Aphasia Recovery Connection, and it, and it was my first time meeting them. They have a uh, a story about how they started their nonprofit, which is Aphasia Recovery Connection, and it had to do with David had a stroke when he was young. And as a result of that, they developed this nonprofit organization for education, advocacy, community. It's a pretty neat organization. Love that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what I learned. So I've got my iPad over here and lots of notes, but we'll just go through the summary and, you know, feel free to jump in, Zoe, something jumps out to you. So okay. first, I want to present the organization called Aphasia Access, and they are a network of healthcare, business, and community leaders that have come together to advance the lifelong communication access for people with aphasia. And their slogan is, until every voice is understood. Oh, it gives me chills every that. time. I they talk about how communication is the key to person-centered healthcare and a meaningful life. When I was in grad school, we talked so much about impairment-based treatment, meaning if you have trouble getting your sounds out, getting your words out, reading, writing, whatever the case may be, then we treat at that level. But what this organization is advocating is that we also use the life participation approach to aphasia. And what that means is where we take the person's goals and we help them communicate in every way that is meaningful to them. We will still do impairment-based treatment, mm -hmm. but we can also help advocate for them, do training with their significant other, their care partners, their friends. The beauty of what we're doing here, Zoe, is that we're on telepractice. So it doesn't matter where somebody's friends are living or if their grandchild is away to college. We could always pull them into the Zoom and do training to work on communication. So one of the first presentations that was so well done, it was about life participation across the continuum. And continuum is just the fancy word we use for the rehab, the rehabilitation continuum. And that starts from the moment someone is admitted to the hospital, whether it's with a stroke or a head injury or some other event that has impacted their brain. So the continuum starts in the hospital and it goes all the way through the rehab process until they're out in the community and they no longer need communication support when it's up to them. So this presentation were the speech pathologists in the Duke system there in Durham, where the acute care therapist presented, then the acute rehab, then the outpatient, and then the community aphasia, I'm blanking on the word, organization. So is it like a freestanding community aphasia organization? I, I can't think of another word. And so they talked about, well, how do we help someone communicate in the hospital? One of the things in the acute care hospital, sometimes you, the person with aphasia 
the professionals that's interacting with them may not take into account or consideration their aphasia. They might think like this person's non-responsive when really it's an aphasia problem that they can't respond. So what can we do as speech pathologists at the acute care level? And one of them is as simple as starting a communication book. In that book, and I really love this idea. So this is more than just like a communication board for getting needs net met. These professionals were talking about having a list of what the best ways for the person to communicate. You know, what are the top three strategies? Like ask yes and no questions. Wait for a, wait for a response. Show them the communication board whatever those are. So that could be one page. Another page is all about the person. As you've seen that we do at the practice, when we have a new person come in for an evaluation, I ask a lot of questions about who are they? Because you have an identity, I have an identity, and think about not being able to be that person because we are sick and in the hospital. It is so important for us as professionals to be kind of that bridge between the person with aphasia and their family and the rest of the professionals in the hospital. This communication book could help serve as one piece of that, where we can quantify kind of who this person was, what did they do for a living, what's important to them, and who are gonna be the top three family members or friends that are gonna be coming to visit them and interact with them in the hospital. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, if we know that cousin Joe is gonna be one of the main people coming in to visit the person that's in the hospital, that would be a great opportunity to start some communication partner training, to try and start educating that visitor that's coming in. We could also use this communication book as a way of conveying messages back and forth instead of having to pick up the phone or trying to catch someone live, you know, there at the bedside, that kind of a thing. So this communication book can serve lots of roles. And I thought that was really smart. So that lines up with the life participation approach to communication. We're trying to get them communicating then that book can travel with the person throughout their rehab journey where the next therapist that works with them doesn't have to start at square one, doesn't have to ask them all the questions about who they are and what they like to do. They can go to the book and now they are hitting the ground running and moving with that individual through the rehab process. So it avoids a lot of that stop start. And I think if we ask stroke survivors how they felt how they might feel about this kind of a system to help them communicate Mm -hmm. through the whole rehab process. I think they would really like it and not have the start stop feeling like they're constantly starting over. I could absolutely see that as something they would enjoy. Yeah, we can, we can customize it, put pictures in family can, you know, there's just lots of different ways to utilize it. So It was a really great presentation, just really breaking it down and talking about what can we do to help someone communicate throughout the whole spectrum. 
in general, I don't know that this came up as part of that presentation, but one thing I wanted to talk about is that the number one indicator of quality of life for a person is whether or not they have aphasia. It's not whether they can walk. It's not whether they can, you know, do their hobbies. Mm -hmm. It's about, can they communicate? And aphasia, and I think our survivors would say, aphasia has a greater negative impact on a person's quality of life than cancer or even Alzheimer's disease. And those are two very prevalent. And you know, that, that, that concept just kind of hit me between the eyes. Like we're not just here to do therapy. Yes, we are. Of course we are. But we are in a unique position as speech pathologists in this field mm -hmm. to really help connect and bridge that gap of communication. But let's see. I don't. Let's keep talking. Oh, I want to talk about a couple of amazing aphasia groups. The first one I want to talk about is Friends of Aphasia in Arizona. If any of you remember who Gabby Giffords is, she was the person that was shot and she had to, when she was at a political rally and she went through extensive speech pathology treatment and the owner of Friends of Aphasia was her primary therapist. So they talked about at their community group, how they do all sorts of things from book club to movie club, lots of community-based activities to help with the community and identity and more opportunities to communicate. There are so many other aphasia groups like Friends of Aphasia that I'm looking to interview them in the future so we can hear about all the amazing programs going on. Have you heard of Friends of Aphasia, Zoe? I haven't, but that sounds awesome. I've never heard of them. They had a, they actually presented at a community fair and uh, I, I may not do this story justice, but they had a whiteboard and they wanted to take a poll of do you know what aphasia is? And that was the question. And they went to describe this as, you know, people would read the board, but they would like duck their head and just kind of keep on walking. So what they wanted to do was to turn it around. They wanted people to engage with them so they could help tell them about what is aphasia and how do you cope with it? They turned the question to, What's your favorite way to communicate? Just that simple change of the question. Do you know what aphasia is to what's your favorite way to communicate? Mm -hmm. Allowed the conversation to get started with the community. They had much more interaction. They, I wish I'd taken a picture of it, but the board, they had all these tally marks on their board about, you know, do you prefer to talk or text or email or, you know, whatever people were saying. But what they loved is now they got the conversation started mm -hmm. and they were able to engage with far more people who now know what aphasia is. Oh my gosh. There is an amazing group. It's a support group that meets in person as well as online for parents who have aphasia. So my new friend, Lauren, she is in the Virginia near the DC border and she has a private practice and she runs the support group for parents with aphasia. Just think on that for a second. 
Can you imagine having a toddler that you need to try and control and interact with? And, you know, maybe there's play dates, there's discipline, there's trying to get them to eat. Now take that and put aphasia with it. Right. I can't fathom it. Raising a kid is hard enough without aphasia. And so what Lauren has done is really tried to tap into what are the needs of this very specific population? How do you find the best communication strategies that are effective to interact with your kid and keep, keep them moving forward too in communication? Right. I work with a lot of folks that are, you know, young, like college age or young professionals folks that are in the prime of their career, you know, in their fifties, early retirees to late retirees. But I hadn't come across a situation. I hadn't worked with anyone who was a parent of a toddler or even a teenager. I mean, (laughs) can you imagine Zoe? Yeah. I have two teenagers now. I can't fathom (laughs) having some of those heavy conversations that need to happen. That sounds like a resource for those parents. So many good takeaways. I have so many pages of notes here that I'm not going to torture you all with. (laughs) (laughs) Torture, that's my word. There's lots of great things coming out of the aphasia research. What aphasia access, the group that held the conference, they want folks to participate in life any way they can. A speech pathologist can be the ones to help them to do it. So I'm going to wrap it up for today. Keep it super simple on our our first production here. I don't know if we ever got the chat going on the stream, but that's fine. Next week, I'm going to be interviewing my friend Mary Osborne, who is doing for dementia what I try to do for stroke. She is an expert in the dementia arena. She's an occupational therapist. She's been working in that space exclusively for 11 years. And we are going to tackle the topic about how do our folks get out of the house? And there's many facets to that. There's the physical aspect of getting out of the house when your loved one has dementia or when your loved one has a stroke. You know, there's the physical barriers if someone is wheelchair bound, if someone is, you know, in a moderate stage of dementia, they have a hard time following directions or they get upset with changes in environment. How do we as professionals and caregivers help get our folks out of the house so that they can have that life participation? So we're going to talk about some of the physical barriers, some strategies with that. We're going to talk about planning ahead, but we're going to tie it into folks with dementia and folks who have had a stroke. And this topic came up from a family that I work with who has obtained a portable ramp. It's just a 16 pound ramp that can hold, I think it can hold like 400 pounds. And it's got some non-slip skids on it and you can use it inside you can use it outside so based on a conversation i'd had with one of my family i approached mary and i said 
what can we do to talk about this topic? So I'm excited to have her on next week. We will end up giving plenty of tips and specific strategies for both populations that people will be able to download. Any final thoughts from you, Zoe, about the life participation approach and how we as therapists can help keep that going? I mean, I think that that approach is something I haven't really learned in grad school. So I appreciate learning that with you because that's obviously a tool that I want to carry on with me, whether I'm working in any, with any populations, I think that's important that's right. to in incorporate what is best for the person and to allow them to communicate to the best of their abilities in whatever situation they're in. So we should be learning about it more in grad school. Absolutely. So before we go, this live show going forward, we'll the following week, it will be feeding into the Life Listen for Life podcast. And we're, we're changing how we access the podcast. You'll still be able to, to hear it as new episodes come out on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or where, wherever you listen to your podcast. But with many of the episodes, I've created handouts and there's transcripts available. And now we're kind of doing summaries that can be downloaded with many of the episodes. So to get access to that exclusive content, you'll need to go to dolifespeechpathology.com. And there'll be a pop-up there where you click on the button to join the podcast series. And all you have to do is enter in your first name and email address, and then you will have access to the whole podcast series and all of those exclusive downloads. And we are out. Thank you all for putting up with me and <laughs> listening to the Life Speech Pathology Show put on by Stroke TV Media. And here's the outro. We'll see you in a few minutes, Zoe. Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Let us know in the comments section. Wishing you a fabulous week.